And now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place and in all places be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. My grandfather's name was Herman Maggard, but as grandchildren, we called him Paul. Paul owned a small general store in the mountains of eastern Kentucky. Maggard Store is what it was called. It was this old, rundown warehouse right by the railroad tracks in the small town of Lothair near Hazard. Now, frankly, my family was always amazed that the health department hadn't shut the store down because it wasn't always in the cleanest condition. But Paul made the best bologna sandwiches, and everyone in town knew about it. In fact, whenever someone important would come to Hazard, Kentucky, city officials brought this person to have an ice-cold Coca-Cola and a bologna sandwich at Maggard's store. And while Paul's sandwiches really were great, looking back, that's probably not what brought people to Maggard's store. In fact, people passed much larger and much nicer grocery stores and restaurants on their way there. Instead, people came to Maggard's store because of Paul. You see, Paul had this ability to make each and every person who walked into his store feel like the most special person in the world, whether they were a wealthy business person a young boy running around with his friends, the town mayor, or the lady who lived down the street and didn't have running water in her home. If someone couldn't pay for their groceries, Paul would let them charge whatever they needed as long as they needed. Many never were able to pay him, and that was fine too. Every Christmas, Paul would make these special deliveries to his customers. He knew which people from his store would like ribeye steaks or a nice box of candy or another special item from the store, and he custom-made gift baskets for all of these people. One year, he was really busy finishing up things before Christmas, and he asked my mom and her sister Alice if they would make the deliveries for him. But every time they knocked on another door... People had such a disappointed look on their face when they realized that Paul wasn't there with them. (laughs) And so finally, my mom and Alice just gave up and went back to the store because they realized that what people really wanted wasn't this gift basket from Maggard's store. What they really wanted was a visit with Paul. Well, Paul died when I was in high school, but I can still say with conviction My grandfather loved people and made people feel loved more than anyone I've met the rest of my life. And while Paul made loving people seem so easy and so effortless, you and I both know that that is not always the case. Perhaps that's why I've never met another person quite like him. Love one another as I have loved you is the commandment Jesus gives us in today's scripture reading. 
And it's a strange commandment if you think about it. I mean, sure, you and I could probably make a list of all of the people we dearly love. And you and I could just as easily make a list of all of the people we find it really hard to love. And can we actually be commanded to love someone? Does love really work like that? Debbie Thomas points out that those of us who care for children understand full well that commanding them to love each other never works. The most we can do, she says, is insist that our children behave as if they love one another. And so we say things to them like, share your toys, say you're sorry, don't hit, use kind words. But these actions, often performed with gritted teeth and rolling eyes, aren't the same as what Jesus is talking about in John's gospel. He doesn't give the disciples or us an easy out of doing nice things with clenched fists and resentful hearts. And so how do we really love one another and not just go through the motions of it? Perhaps that's why Wendell Berry calls loving someone who doesn't deserve it a way of practicing resurrection. Because it is an act of transformation from the inside out. And I believe it begins with embracing how much you and I are loved ourselves. A few years ago, I was at an event in Waco, Texas to support female students in our public school system. The keynote speaker was Dr. Jolanda Jones, who served on the board for the Houston School District. And I will never forget how she captivated the room full of girls that day. Dr. Jones shared with them about how she had grown up in the third ward of Houston She was often the primary caregiver for her four younger siblings while her mother worked. There were many times, she said, when her family went without water, electricity, or heat. When she was a teenager, their rent house actually burned down from candles they were using in place of electricity. But despite all the odds against her, she went on to become an internationally recognized athlete a lawyer standing for those on the margins, and a community activist. She was also in a season of Survivor. You may recognize her name from that. But out of everything she experienced growing up, Dr. Jones said that what was the most difficult for her to overcome was hearing some of the awful things her mother said to her when she was younger. Her mother in acts of rage and anger, would say things like, I hate you. You're worthless. No one will ever love you, Jolanda. I wish you had never been born. And out of all of these difficult things she had been through, the worst by far, she said, was hearing these words from her mother and coming to believe them about herself. And as I sat there, captivated by her story, I looked around at all of these other young girls in the room, many of whom were nodding in agreement. And they locked eyes with her in that moment, and my heart just sank. 
But she went on to say that when she became an adult, she finally asked her mom, Mom, why did you say those awful things about me? Why did you have to do that to me? And her mom said, I am so sorry, baby. I was so young at the time myself, and those were the exact same things my mom said to me. And I came to believe them. And without even knowing what I was saying or what I was doing, I passed them on to you too. Because you see, when we believe we are worthless, whether intentionally or unintentionally, we will treat other people as worthless too. When we hate ourselves, we will hate others too. And when we don't think we are worthy of love ourselves, we can't even begin to imagine truly loving one another. It's why our theology is so important, right? When we believe in a punitive God, we will pass along all of that judgment and all of that shame to other people too. We know that all too well, Highland, don't we? Which is why today's text is so important, because it reminds us of this no-strings-attached kind of love that God has for all of us, with absolutely no exceptions. And it shows us that loving one another begins with abiding in God's love for us. That you and I have this capacity to love only because of how deeply God first loved us. The question is, do we really believe in that kind of love? And although we may never fully be able to understand it, and we may spend our entire lifetimes trying to wrap our minds around it, do we embrace it? Do we accept it? Because we can't give away what we don't have for ourselves. As Henry Nouwen writes, as long as this idea of God's love is just a beautiful thought or a lofty idea that hangs above my head to keep me from becoming too depressed, nothing really changes. But becoming God's beloved is pulling the truth revealed to me from above down into the ordinariness of what I am in fact thinking about, talking about, and doing from hour to hour. And so what do you think might happen in the ordinariness of your life if you were to pull down this truth revealed to you from above, this truth about the depth of God's love for you? What difference might that make? What difference would it make to those critical voices in your head, the ones we often can't turn off but seem to narrate our lives hour by hour, moment by moment, If the voice of God's love were the primary voice speaking over us, what difference would it make in the ways you spend your time if you didn't think you had to compete or hustle or earn or run yourself ragged to receive God's love or anyone else's for that matter? What difference would it make in the ways you show up in this world and the ways you show up for other people if you didn't feel like you had anything else to prove? What difference would it make in the ways that you work for justice, which Cornell West says is what love looks like in public, 
if you not only believed in the depth of this love for you, but for people on the margins, for people who have been completely ostracized from even believing in God's love for them. I mean, what would it look like if you really wanted other people to experience the depth of that love too? In the children's book, Wherever You Are, My Love Will Find You, Nancy Tillman writes this lovely poem about the love a parent has for their child. But I believe her book shares an even better picture of the height and the breadth and the depth of the love God has for each of us. And so I invite you to hear these words today as a reflection of God's love for you. And not only to hear them, but to believe them too. I wanted you more than you will ever know. So I sent love to follow wherever you go. So climb any mountain, climb up to the sky. My love will find you. My love can fly. Make a big splash, go out on a limb. My love will find you. My love can swim. It never gets lost, never fades, never ends. If you're working or playing or sitting with friends, you can dance till you're dizzy, paint till you're blue. There's no place, not one, that my love can't find you. And if someday you're lonely or someday you're sad or you strike out at baseball or when you've been bad, just lift up your face, feel the wind in your hair. That's me, my sweet baby. My love is right there in the green of the grass and the smell of the sea, in the clouds floating by at the top of the tree, and the sound crickets make at the end of the day, you are loved, you are loved, you are loved, they all say. My love is so high and so wide and so deep, it's always right there even when you're asleep. If you're still my babe or you're all the way grown, my promise to you is, you are never alone. You are my angel, my darling, my star, and my love will find you wherever you are. And so friends, may God's love find you today, wherever you are. And as you live in the resurrected reality of this love, may you then go out and love one another. Amen.